Hi guys, welcome to the second episode of the Venn Diagram. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I have two super awesome special guests with me. I'll have them introduce themselves. I kind of plugged them last week too. Um, I so I don't I didn't know them before this experience. I just fangled them on Instagram and like DM them because they're super cool. Um, they are big celebrities on GW's campus. People can vouch for that. Definitely a thing. They're shaking their heads on Zoom, but I'm telling you, it's a thing. Um, they're both super cool, super accomplished, and beautifully brown. So they're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, who they are, introduce themselves a little bit. So I'll give the floor to them real quick. I can go first. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hi, my name is Hiba. I am a junior at GW. My major is political communication with a minor in women, gender, sexuality studies. My pronouns are she, her. Um, the only reason I'm a celebrity, which I'm not, is because I wrote an essay talking a lot of crap about brown boys. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> As you should. It's okay. Okay, I can go. My name is Harita, or Harita, whatever way you want to say it. Um, I'm a junior at GW studying international relations with a concentration in conflict resolution and a minor in Arabic. And I'm from Southern Maryland, but originally my parents are from South India. And I am not a celebrity on campus. That's <laughs> just too nice. I'm just not a celebrity. Oh, I didn't say where I was from. I was born in Pakistan. My family's Kashmiri. Um, and then I moved to New York when I was four. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so I think it's funny. I wanted my first episode officially to be talking like from the South Asian lens. That's what I have. Um, and I think it's super interesting because, like, I come from a, a, from a town, excuse me, that is super predominantly white. High school was white. Hometown was white. I always felt like the minority in the room. Um, and in those communities that were brown, it was like I was already too white to be with the brown people. And so I want to know with you guys, like, how was your hometown experience? Um, would you compare to GW? Like, do you feel like this is a refreshing environment to be around white people or brown people conversely? Um, and kind of speak about your childhood being raised that way. So my experience is actually kind of like Alina's experience. I am from a very rural area in Maryland. It's very conservative, very Confederacy vibes. I wish I was joking, but I'm not. Like it's legitimately like a microcosm of the Confederacy um, of the gallant South. It's disgusting in my head. Um, so yeah, like I said, predominantly white, grew up being the only brown kid in like all my classes and you know, like having that same experience kind of, or a similar experience to Lena. Um, when I applied to GW, I was really excited to be around like other brown people because there was a brown community in my town, but I like didn't go to the same high school as everybody else. And they lived in like a richer neighborhood. So I didn't like really interact with them except for like Diwali or like Navratri, like holidays, things like that, maybe Holi if that. Um, so I didn't really get to interact with them a lot. And Whenever I did, I, we never really talked about being brown. It was kind of just a part of who we were. So it was different. Also, my family is the only South Indian family in my entire town. So I also had that kind of weird cultural thing where like I didn't understand like Gujarati culture, which was like the predominant culture. And also like my brown experience was like more, had nothing to do with like dancing and, you know, like volley music and stuff. So it was kind of an interesting experience. Um, and then coming to GW, I was really excited to be around other brown people. Um, and then coming to GW and then kind of experiencing a different culture shock where um, I was considered like whitewashed and like called whitewashed all the time. And I didn't really understand what that meant. So I really internalized it. And I like kind of just 
let people view me that way because I was a freshman. I was like, okay, like they think I'm whitewashed. I don't really know what that means. Like in their, in their heads, like when I had heard the term like whitewashed before, it was like someone that was like completely out of touch with their culture or like didn't like understand things about like just general, like in my case, like Indian culture. But I like, so I was confused because I was like, I'm fluent in Telugu. Like I read, write, and speak in Telugu. Like I know a lot about like South Indian culture and like, um, you know, I'm not like, my family's not really religious, but like, I still know a lot about Hinduism and things like that. So I was like, I don't really understand what they mean by whitewash. Um, I don't like that term, yeah. but <laughs> I didn't know really how to address it. Cause I was like, these people are older than me. Like they are kind of what what authority do they have but I like didn't really question it so I kind of my experience was kind of um like a reverse culture shock or not a reverse culture shock I guess you could call it a reverse culture shock but I had an interestingly uncomfortable experience and I'm still trying to find a way to like fit in because I find like little pockets of comfort where I can like participate in student orgs and things like that but I still feel like an outsider because um, you know, I don't get some of the jokes in Hindi or whatever, things like that. And I still feel like South Asian identity and in, in, like my experience has been like kind of homogenized and I don't really fit into that kind of norm of like being on the Ross team or the Bhangra team and speaking Hindi or Gujarati or, you know, whatever is considered the norm um, in whichever circle you run. So still learning about it, still managing it, but I've found ways to kind of channel my identity in like other circles that I'm a part of so and I've honestly felt more empowered in those other spaces than I have um in specifically South Asian spaces so that's a little bit about my um kind of journey with that at GW. No well said I like how you mentioned how it's like uh South Asian culture can be very homogenous I feel that too it's like this one single um I guess like you have to be this form in the mold yeah go ahead um, so I think that in, I felt the same way and I felt at GW and in my hometown too. So I hope, I don't know if this resonates with anyone, but I definitely think that's a great way to say it. So Kimba, what about you? I had the exact opposite experience. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Flushing and that's like known for like having like a lot of brown people. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so my whole life I was just like surrounded by brown people. And then I came to GW and like just talking about New York, I like went to like an Islamic middle school. So I've never like not been around brown people um like all like brown people like uh, Bangladeshi like Indian Kashmiri all that and then when I came to GW I was like oh my god how do I talk to white people because I (laughs) do not know how to talk to white people and I was like very uncomfortable and then I found GWPSA the Pakistani Student Association and I like latched onto that I was like I I need brown friends like I can't deal with this um but even like in brown town like on campus I feel like it is very homogenized like like my whole life I was like there's no like Pakistani representation there's no Pakistani diversity even though I like grew up with that but like you know like on screen and stuff and that it just like kind of trickles down at GW too because everyone's like oh like how dare you not watch Bollywood and it's like like what do you want me to say no and I think we all I I find it funny that you have like the opposite experience um because I think I assume that everyone comes from this like culture shock of like you know, not people that don't look like you, people that do look like you and find the affinity, but there can be the opposite where it's like, how do I find my voice in a space where I always felt like I could? Um, I, it's funny, I don't know, I heard that you're also in um, Greek life at GW. I recently am as well. I think 
Um, that's a predominantly white space, like historically across the country, but also at GW. That's not, we're not blind to that throughout the whole recruitment process. And I loved it and that's why I did it. But I'm also in the MSA, similar like vibes to the PSA. And I think um, appreciating that we can be part of different groups and not judging each other for that is really important because I felt like, well, you're in Greek life. You can't be like brown like us now. But then I guess I'm also in Greek life and I'm also not white like them because I'm in, you know what I mean? I think it's an interesting like, the term diaspora, we could debrief that um, dichotomy. Yeah, you could also just like the duality of that is really interesting. So what do you guys think about that? Or if you've had experience out here, you can. Yeah, so I had a conversation about this because someone made an offhanded remark to me a few weeks ago in a like brown space. And again, like, I don't want to shade anybody, but like I, someone made a comment like about like people of color and like specifically in this regard, like brown people, they see South Asians, whatever joining other organizations and that being a mark of assimilation and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I was like I don't know what you're implying like it was still kind of along that lines of like being whitewashed and cultural assimilation and there's a lot of privilege in being able to assimilate into a culture and kind of like blend in which is why I think the idea of like or that you know, like notion that someone is whitewashed or whatever, yeah. usually has to do with privilege. It has to do with a lot of things that, you know, regard around, obviously most of the time, more, more often than not, it's just caste and class and people are not aware of those nuances. Um, but even still, like, I, I don't want this to be kind of like a cop out, but like, it still rubbed me the wrong way saying like, oh, these people are assimilating because I don't think it's fair to say like, this is the one way you can express your identity. And this is the one culture you have to adhere to in order for you to be considered South Asian. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, it just like made me feel kind of uncomfortable because I've done a lot of thinking in, you know, like on my own time and just like in conversation with people on like, how can we work to make sure that the South Asian community is as inclusive as we can, like, as it can be. Um, and that doesn't mean like including people just for the sake of, you know, like they're, they have a different religion, but like also things with like class and caste and ability and topics that we don't necessarily like talking about in the South Asian community and things that are considered like a little bit, you know, taboo, um, sexuality is another thing. So like, it just made me uncomfortable to hear like the idea of like, assimilation and obviously like I'm open to any thoughts on this like this is just my personal experience with this one specific instance but just hearing like that you have to only participate in brown orgs to be considered brown or like yeah, you know whatever I mean in a way yeah. like, it's making people choose and that's the whole point is that we choose both you know I think that's the way the duality comes in but oh, yeah. so I want to ask you how do you feel about the term whitewashed and um kind of the idea of assimilating and what that looks like um, well, I'm definitely, like, what Farida just said, like, I definitely don't agree, like, you're not assimilating just because you join, like, a, a sorority, like, that doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. whenever I've used the word whitewashed, which I have, because I make fun of people for it, but <laughs> I'm talking about people, like, that are, like, very American-centric, that, like, only care about American politics, or, like, think, right. like, when I call someone whitewashed, which I will stop now, but <laughs> I, I mean it in, in a sense, they're, like, they have, they, like, have like a superiority complex over like people from the homelands because like I have like several DMs from brown boys where like oh like whenever I go back to India or whenever I go back to Pakistan they always like make fun of me for being American and I was like I would do the same thing like so right. that, 
in my mind, I don't know if it's just because like I grew up in like a different place. That's what we meant when we said whitewash. I didn't mean like, oh, you're not brown enough. Yeah, that might be the American, like, way of talking about it, because I definitely, like, it was an insult for me. I've always received it. I've been called, like, coconut, like, where am I brown on the outside, and it's white on the inside. I've been called whitewash. I think it's it's definitely meant to criticize me and, like, who I am and how I'm presenting myself to people, um, and that was difficult, because I felt like, I mean, that, I started getting that when I was, like, right, like, early pre-teens, and I think I, like Karika said, I internalized it, um, and it made me overthink everything to the point where I was, like, where do I actually feel like myself and where are people going to accept me? And like, when am I putting on this mask with these people and then switching it with these people? And it's really exhausting. And like, looking back now, I feel confident in myself and I'm not worried about it. Um, but that can be really jarring of like trying to choose who you want to be with which people, you know? Also, like, I know a lot of people, when you were talking about masks, a lot of people use it as like a survival like tactic. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You don't want to get called out because I worked at like a very like white centric, feminist nonprofit and it was like it was supposed to be intersectional but like whenever I like brought up like um like violence against Asian Americans or like honor killings in like South Asia they would always be like no like we want to talk about America only Mm. it's it's like oh like I can't talk about being brown here you know right it centers who you are and that's that's the opposite of it you know where they're quieting your voice it's just I I actually like really understand what he was saying because I like especially the idea of like survival and kind of protecting yourself like I when I've had this conversation with my parents like I don't like subscribe to the like my immigrant parents narrative anymore like my parents have literally lived more most of their lives in America now but I've understood what their like notion of assimilating into American culture has been like because they both work in predominantly white places we live in a predominantly white neighborhood we live in a predominantly white town like there are, and I don't think that I really understood it until the 2016 election because there was an uptick in hate crimes against like South Asians in our community and like a lot of vandalism and things like that because, I mean, I had always known that I was like different, but like yeah. that's kind of why I can understand like the whole like whitewash or like more assimilated thing. Like, and I'm putting quotations around the word assimilated in that aspect because I literally had to, no, even as much as I tried to, you know, Americanize myself. I'm not going to use the term whitewash, but like Americanize myself, like to this, um, you know, like monolithic idea of what America is. Like I still was always the outlier. I was still always excluded. So it didn't really work. So that's why when I came to college, I was like, right. okay, like, I can find something outside of that. But I do agree like that the narrative and sometimes, and not even sometimes, oftentimes the conversation at GW about South Asian identity is like specifically about being South Asian American and not holistically speaking, because there are South Asians everywhere in the world. And especially like I had a conversation literally the other day um, with a group of friends and we were talking about like how we've been, tra- how like what our different entrances into GW South Asian community was like. And everyone had kind of a similar experience with it being like, oh, they didn't accept me because I'm actually from India mm-hmm. or they didn't accept me because I am interested in XYZ and not only about like Bollywood or whatever, you know, like, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I have to say that, that, you know, um, whatever it might be, like those few things. And so we all had those type of experiences. So I think it's honestly more common that people fall into the outlier group around GW South Asian community than like what they do when like actually fitting into it um, under those like super rigid guidelines for what you have to look like what you have to dress like what your family status is kind of like where you're from 
um, it's kind of like a cult mentality in a way. So I think it's a very difficult issue and it's hard to break down. And I still feel like there's obviously lots of like nuance to it and a lot of layers of privilege that people don't necessarily understand, but it's very much a like South Asian American context yeah. and not, and it's not like anything beyond that in many instances. I mean, like being on like a smaller scale, um, Brown Org, I'm the creative director of GWPSA. PSA is a, it's more of like a safe space for all of us than it is like, we've never had drama like you just described. Um, you know, like we've had like several international students on our board and just like, I would say we throw like fun stuff. It's like never like, oh, like you have to be Pakistani to come to our org. I mean, to like our meetings and stuff. And we have done like stuff, like talks on like, we almost did like a panel on Kashmir until like COVID happened. And it's just like, I think, I think smaller brown orgs have to like overcompensate for like what the bigger brown orgs have been perpetuating for like years. And it's really annoying. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And it's like unfortunate because there's just so much beautiful diversity amongst our community, but it kind of, because of these like largely like, you know, isolating incidents or conversations that people have with others in the community, it kind of drives people to go into their little bubbles and safe spaces, like you said, which is not a bad thing. Like I think safe spaces are very much necessary and like affinity spaces with that are very necessary because that like, that's what I expected, um, you know, like a, a South Asian community or, you know, like even coming before coming to college, like I didn't really use the term South Asian because I like didn't really understand it. And like, I like, I just genuinely didn't know because there was no one else except for like Indians in my town. So like, I, I didn't even understand like the breadth of that. So I think like my experience personally, like what I expected coming into GW is that I would find my safe space. But even within that, I haven't been able to find my, like I my safe space has just been not even with an org, but like with just my friends who've had the same type of kind of harsh experiences. Yeah, no, I definitely feel what you're saying. Cause I think even growing up, I like didn't realize when you said you didn't think, feel like, excuse me, realize you were different. I think on that same tone, like I was always accepted. Um, like I wasn't, I was brown, but I wasn't brown like them or like I wasn't brown like that. Um, and I was a very like digestible brown person. Um, cause I, I assimilated or I like acted a certain way or I came from privilege where it was like, yeah, you're normal like us. And I don't like the way of like, like what is what is normal what is accepted like am i like am i acting white like you like am i doing that right um and i find that at gw those spaces are still there yeah exactly model minority hip if you want to talk about that like i can tag off to you because i want you to explain it um and how i definitely was like the example of like oh people are not oppressed like look at you you're fine and i was like <laughs> how can we compare my singular experience to like a whole culture and community you know so if you want to talk about that real quick so I would not be a good person to explain model minority because my family's like heavily, not, not involved in politics, but I've always grown up like the one thing we would talk about at the dinner table was Pakistani politics. Mm -hmm. So I like grew up like talking about India, about like literally everything at like a very young age. And I like, I don't know, whenever people were like, oh, you're normal. Like I would be like, no, I'm really not. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't have like the same experience you guys did. And I think it's because I grew up in like a very predominantly brown neighborhood. And that's a good thing. I like that we can add the complexity of the conversation by talking about that because I was always like, I think when people wanted to find like diversity in their friends, like that they look to me as the example when like 
you could say I was like the more assimilated or accepted version of what actually is happening. Like at, on the spectrum, I was on the very other end of it. And I just think um, it was hard because like you look at from one perspective, it's going to be super hard to look at everyone else's experiences as well if you're looking at just mine and my family. So Karitha, did you have that too? Yeah, I think like because it's it has to do with a lot of like privilege and like I said before caste and class as well um especially in a rural town where you know most people in my town are like have some connection to like um sorry uh like either farming or like fishing things like that like I live in a very rural town and like all the brown people in my town either are doctors like are something in the medical field or own a business so everyone is relatively well to do um, and that was something I tried to tackle in high school and really like I had conversations with my parents about it. I was like, this is something that like we need to acknowledge and understand that like we we play a lot into the model minority myth and that's why people, you know, kind of view us as like not a threat and that makes us complicit in other forms of oppression like in the community and especially like in relations like between the South Asian community and the black community or like the Hispanic Latinx community, like it makes us com even more complicit because if we don't understand, um, you know, like the model minority myth and the privilege of having the like edu educational privileges or whatever it may be. So I think because of that, like I was very conscious early on of those biases that like I personally had because I was like, oh, you know, well, like my parents did whatever, but I'm, didn't understand until probably like middle school or high school that like those privileges existed because of class and caste and things like that and um it kind of shaped how I viewed myself to my to my white friends like they're not going to understand that they just view us all as a monolith like you're saying so you know it really made me think about what am I doing to help people and like is my presence in any of these conversations actually going to make a difference or am I just like speaking into the void and is there a way that I can use my voice in these conversations whether it was in like I didn't really have a lot of political conversations in high school because everyone was <laughs> everyone was white and like it was literally just like me talking to a wall like that's literally what it was like yeah. talking to a brick wall so I you know like didn't really understand that until college that I could that it's okay to just like take a step back and like let other people talk and like listen to what people have to say and amplify their voices yeah. because I feel like the one thing that I've had to explain to my parents is that we faced no institutional boundaries in any regard mm. and we've had it so easy which is why they should care about helping other people and you know amplifying other people's voices and I think this pat like the past year has really brought that to light for them which has helped me kind of you know navigate my personal identity and what I can do to help other people yeah on the, on the flip side like just because I did grow up in a brown community that doesn't mean like we have there were no problems like there was like blatant like anti-blackness like slut shaming black phobia like nationalism right yeah I feel like just because my experience wasn't the same I was facing like the same problem but just within our community no that's interesting do you have any examples of that or like times where you could feel like the contradiction or the irony of that how it like people dismiss that it occurs or they don't they feel like maybe above um like the white oppression when they're in I went to as I said like Islamic middle school and it was like our building was connected to the masjid right it was like 
like it was like one building basically um and i just i wasn't allowed to like wear nail polish because they were like no like you're like it'll attract the boys and i'm like there's three boys in our class like i think they're looking at me (laughs) and it and it was just like also like i fell asleep on my best friend once like as we were listening to the the friday prayer what is it called the chutbah Mm -hmm. and and like I distinctly remember my teacher being like, "Oh, like you guys are too affectionate with each other." Like they were like police, oh like because I guess like they thought we were like expressing our sexuality, but we weren't. <laughs> we were just being affectionate. So it's like there's like a whole like ton of other problems like growing up in that community. Yeah, that's super interesting. I don't know. I was thinking about this too. This is like a little bit off track. Um, how do you guys feel about the term brown? Like, who do you think that encompasses like the term South Asian? Um, I feel like sometimes it overlooks a lot of regions that should be represented in the term that are just not. So can we get a definition for it um, or a feel for how we define brown or like South Asian? Yeah, anyone wants to I am literally taking geography of South Asia this yeah, semester, no. which I highly recommend. Our, the first reading we did was about how the term South Asia doesn't make sense to anyone. Okay. Like if you go to South Asia, no one will call themselves South Asia, South Asians. Um, and it's because it's a very colonial term. Like the British were like, yeah, this is South Asia. And they didn't like care about like the territories, like the tribes or like anything. Like it was just like, you're all South Asian. And because of that, every country in the region has started defining themselves with what they're not. Like, if you ask a Pakistani what they are, they'll be like, I'm not Indian. Or if you ask an Indian, they'll be like, oh, I'm not Pakistani, right? But, like, when people think of South Asia, they think of, like, like majority India. So maybe people will think of Pakistan and less than that Bangladesh. And no one will, like, care about, like, Sri Lanka, Kashmir. Um, Afghanistan is, like, at a weird cusp, so I'm not sure about that. Um, what else? See, I, I can't even name the other countries in, in the region because no one talks about them. And it's just like, and I follow this Bangladeshi um, writer on Instagram and they were like, I don't want to call myself South Asian anymore because there's no space for me mm-hmm. in like this like space anymore. Um, no one like cares about what I have to say. I get like a lot of backlash for like speaking up against um, like Bangladeshi like hatred. Um, so like, I don't know when I say brown, I'm just I'm mainly just talking about like Bangladesh, India, and um, Pakistan because Kashmir is like Dardic. It's not even Desi if you like really get into like the ethnicities and stuff. Right. Sarita, any thoughts? Yeah, wait, actually, I literally saw a TikTok about this morning. <laughs> yeah. This morning. Like, it was a TikTok saying like, um, this girl was like responding to some like hate comment she had gotten. And they were like, oh, well, like you're just Indian or something like that. And or, and then she started talking about, like, how we define ourselves, like, I, before high school, or before high school, before college, I called myself, like, Indian American, or I just, like, I'm Indian, but it's even harder to say that when you start realizing that, like, these are all just, like, colonial, like, limitations that we place on ourselves, because, like, before India was India, like, it was just, there was just ethnic makeups of region, whatever it was called, yeah, it was, like, called, it was called Hindustan, but, like, all of the regional makeups like technically I don't even know like what ethnic group my family would like fall into if I really like I would have to really do the research thing that's why I'm like I'm South Indian to like specify because I don't know what ethnic group like technically that oh it was oh I know I know what it was the TikTok was on like why South Asians or like people who are Desi mix up the term like mix up Desi and brown and South Asian and ethnicity versus nationality, which is another issue that I face like with people like in my classes and stuff. But I was like, I don't even know what ethnicity I am technically, if you think about it. Like, 
regionally um like within south india there's so many ethnicities like i've never even thought about it until this morning so like i think it's hard to kind of define that but i usually i'm just like oh i'm brown or like i rarely say desi either i'm like oh i'm brown i'm south indian i'm i'm an indian american like i don't even know it's just arbitrary kind of i don't like the word um desi either because that like literally refers to like people of the land um and then that just like leaves sri lankans out completely um so it's just it sucks yeah and people try to use desi to mean like oh like everyone that's brown but there's an actual meaning for it like you said and at least people like completely phase like indo-caribbean like people like out of the whole diaspora. yeah that sucks because it's like like there's like what is that um page on instagram brown history like they'll never like i've noticed like they don't have a lot of like indo-caribbean and it's like yeah part of the diaspora so it's like who do they think is brown enough to exactly history yeah, I had a conversation about this with one of my friends who actually was in Pi Phi in my sorority because she's from, her family is from Guyana. And so she is like, we had a conversation. She's like, I don't know if I can like be part of, she had a similar experience as me, except like even more layered because like the South Asian community didn't accept her because oh, she's Guyana. Okay. But she's like South Asian, you know, like what does that mean? It just, it's so arbitrary and ambiguous that it's like kind of, people just throw the rules out there and everyone is expected to adhere to them. But you have to question at some point who came up with these identity markers, you know, if you want to get political. Um, So it's always a difficult conversation. It's kind of hard to unpack. And also like, I don't have any of the correct answers, of course. It's something that I'm learning as I go and in some of my classes or from other people. So it's it's always a developing conversation, I think. I was just going to talk about how um the way that india like dominates the region has also kind of culturally and like emotionally frozen the region i I don't know how to explain this properly but it's like because like the ancient names of south asia are like so they're they have like the word india or like indus in it and then the rest of the countries in the the region are like oh like we don't want we're not indian though and it's because they've been like ideologically tainted that no one knows like any better alternative but like also like people from like the homelands don't call themselves South Asian. So this is just I think that's thing. No, that 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 definitely makes sense. I just said something in my head <laughs> and I wrote it down, but I have been starting to define India as the America of South Asia. Like <laughs> as the as the US of South Asia. Is not this America. Positive or a negative yeah. comment? In a negative way. I said Indians are like the white people of South Asia. And I got oh, no! Wait, no, 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 that's so true though. My cousin told me this last year or like a few years ago because I had asked him, because my cousin grew up in a very like brown part of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so he was like more in touch. And then he was like, he told me, he's like, when you go to college, like don't get involved in brown town, you're going to hate it. And then he was in a brown qualifier. So I'm shading him. It's not like I'll ever listen to this. Um, but he, like, he was in a brown acapella choir and he told me, he was like, don't get involved in brown town, like, you're gonna hate it. But he literally told me the other, not the other day, but it was a few, a few years ago. And he was like, brown people, in America, brown people are the white people, like, not brown people, how do I say this? Like, South Asians are kind of the white people of all the brown people in some regards. But in India, like, in South Asia, like, 
Indians <laughs> are the white people of South Asia. Wow. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. That's the only way you can explain it. I don't even know. Like, it makes me want to go into it. it. And it's like, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, I, I guess, like, I because, like, I guess when I say it, it's like a double, like, layered sword because it's like, I'm Kashmiri, so I'm like, shading India, and I'm also Pakistani, so it's like, oh, obviously you hate Indians, but it's like, no, that's not what I meant. But you're allowed yeah. to feel that way in both ways. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, how did we, oh, go ahead. It's a, it's a funny way of, of like, putting it together, but <laughs> that's, that's the only way I can say it. Yeah. So with everything going on in the world right now, especially in our um, South Asian, you know, subcontinent, that area in India right now, how do we feel about social media activism? The balance is necessary. It's necessary. But like, I, when I have these conversations with my parents, like, my parents are so out of touch with Indian politics because like the state that my family's from, like my family's from Andhra Pradesh and Telangana states. Um, and so like my parents barely know anything that's going on in Telangana and Andhra Pradesh unless like my grandparents say something. So like, and that's always just kind of a mess anyway. So they, when it comes to like larger narratives of Indian politics or Indian pol- Pakistani politics, they just are like, it okay <laughs> like we don't know what's going on and I have to explain it to them and it's you know it's easier having conversations with my mom because she like talks to my sister and I kind of about social media my dad hates social media so he just like doesn't know but my mom will see things on like whatsapp or facebook and stuff so she's a little bit more engaged and I can have those conversations <laughs> I can have those conversations with her but my dad's just like if it's not on bbc I don't know what's happening so <laughs> So it kind of, even then, like, he just, like, is not engaged as much. So it's kind of interesting, you know, the layers between, like, the conversations I have with my peers and the conversations I have with my family and my yeah. my parents. And it's it's just interesting. But I would say I love calling out, like, the hypocrisy of, like I said, people that call out, like, cultural appropriation, but then they won't call out, like, state-sanctioned violence against Kashmiris or, you know, like, people that actually or their lives are being affected by politics and things like that. We have to be critical of everybody equally because of the institutions they represent and thus like also just like the privileges and people, I saw something that was like, um, oh, I can't think of it now. Oh, it was like something about Modi. It was like, first he came for like the Muslims and then in a specific area, I forgot what it was, but it was something like that. And then he was like, and then he came for the Sikhs and then he came for me and no, I like didn't speak up. I, it was something like that, like, he came for so-and's X group, I didn't speak, I came from Y group, I didn't speak up, then he came for me, and there was no one left to speak up for me, and that was, like, I was, like, that, that makes perfect sense, and people really, um, are, it's honestly, silence, when they say silence is, is loud, like, silence is very loud, when, yeah. when you see people not posting about anything until celebrities I'm post about it, or, bare minimum, like, I'm not asking you oh. to write a research paper on it, but, like, when my own friends were, like, silent when the Kashmir thing happened I was like you have watched me my entire life speak about this like I know you're educated yeah it does feel personal I also like I feel bad I don't want to stay on my high horse because I feel like activism in general I'm like figuring it out as we go like I, I think I'm doing something right I'm doing something wrong I'm learning through it um but I think being critical of like our peers but especially like South Asian peers is important because it shows that like we have to be on our best game because we're representing like ourselves as well right like they people are gonna think that like unfortunately the matter of like how white people view us is like oh how this brown person sees the world is how all brown people see the world 
right? It's just like, it's the monolith, it's the homogenous perspective of like one solid group. And I think that's why we carry this like weird responsibility to like uphold everyone, um, if that makes sense. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit away from politics because we could talk about the yeah, I guess your first, your original question was literally what is our responsibility? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like neither of us said that. Oh, no, no, no. I wanted to talk about everything. We're all good. Um, I want to know um, as we close out pretty soon, like what would you tell your younger self in terms of identity? Um, what would you tell her about fitting in or not fitting in? Um, like how she fits into these space? It's super weird talking about like ourselves in the third person, but just a sense of like, now you know we're in i'm 18 you guys are you know up in your about 20s right maybe 20, 20. Oh um, no but like we have lived enough of our life to like have a good idea of the world and how we see ourselves there so what would you tell younger selves or maybe conversely what would you want to tell your future self about um your experience being you know the duality of our our lives honestly i don't know what i would have said to my younger self because i don't think my younger self would have listened <laughs> Yeah. Like I genuinely like I've said like I know. I am so stubborn. Like I honestly think if I had if I'd gone if I'd gone back. Okay, here's like a simple silly thing. I would have told myself my 11 year old not to like buy into western standards of beauty and let someone wax my eyebrows because Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That is like a very simplistic thing, but just generally like about identity, I really don't think my younger self would have listened because I still would have been trying to be like I'm a people pleaser so I probably would have still been like oh no 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 no. like this is not going to work like I still need to be a people pleaser but I think I think the one thing that I I kind of have like a way to do this because of my younger sister so like I kind of just tell her things that I'm thinking and she is like taking them and like she's five years younger than me so she like if I was going to talk to my 16 year old I would just talk to my sister my sister is 15. Um also, I realized the other day that I came into quarantine at age 19 and I turned 21 in two months. So oh my, my brain hurts. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. So <laughs> I'm in a little bit of pain. I'm just, life is fleeting. <laughs> Time oh means God. nothing. But back to the actual conversation. Um, yes. So basically what I would have told my younger self is what I basically tell my sister is like, don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't believe and what you can and can't do. But that doesn't also mean that you should shut people out, like listen to what people have to say, because especially your parents, um, because sometimes they do have good advice. But I think identity wise, like I probably would have told myself to just be myself and like not try to fit into really narrow um, themes of identity. But like I said, I probably wouldn't have listened to myself because I was I probably would have been like, no, like I need to do this in order to fit in and in order to make it some make it someplace but I probably would have told my younger self to just be louder be yeah. loud like I was a loud child like I was very outspoken because I was the only brown person so like I was the, I was the like sole representative the sole token for all South Asians all Indian I don't think South Asia is a good term to use here because the people I went to school with probably did not know that there were other countries in the world um except for the U.S. so <laughs> like I probably would have just told my younger self to be even louder than I was and just like don't take no for an answer for certain things um especially when it comes to identity and don't put yourself in a box yeah um I honestly don't know what I would say to my younger self um I don't know like I think I've told you guys this before but like I never really needed like representation like on screen because like I grew up like watching Fox 9 dramas and stuff so I was never like oh I need to be like represented or like seen and it's just like 
but like even but like when I was eight I would like wish that there was like a Pakistani like actress like on screen in like in like a Hollywood TV show or whatever but now like I am the representation that I would like like to have so it's just like I wouldn't tell my younger self anything I would just be like keep yeah. doing like you like are unapologetically like Pakistani and like Kashmiri and just if you stick with that like you'll have you'll become like the representation you wanted exactly and like make your own representation like see what you wish you saw yeah I think I tell myself something online lines so, like don't trick myself to fit into the narrative that I think other people want me to be um and be like heard to said like be loud and be proud and be like I always feel like I'd be digestible for people and like you know fit into what they wanted and what would make them comfortable um but at GW I have a lot of like brown friends and I love those spaces and I'm proud of them and I prefer them sometimes um and I have to be good with that and I think we're growing as we go and and we see and we also have our white friends it's always going to change and we're going to you know experience it as we continue um at GW and beyond but yeah, I don't know. any final thing? Oh, Rita, you put in the chat. Yes, you want to share with us? <laughs> yes, I just wanted a brown Barbie when I was younger. <laughs> like something. Yeah. I had to, I just latched onto Princess Jasmine. <laughs> oh my gosh, didn't know you all. I, a whole other topic. Oh god. I just grew up and then I had <laughs> I grew up and realized that I like kind of like what Hippa said, like you just gotta be your own representation. You just gotta be your own person. Yeah. Like no one else. If you look for those like little pockets of representation, what I found honestly is that you're just gonna be disappointed. You're just gonna be disappointed. So yeah, you right. might as well you might as well just like try to be that person for yourself and you know, just be confident who you're be 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 confident in who yourself. I think that's something I would tell myself um as the other thing. But like with the, the Princess Jasmine thing, Aladdin, <laughs> I had a conversation God. with this about this with my friends and my friend Yasmin, she's like Algerian and she was like like oh yeah like what, what are our thoughts on um the like latest Aladdin movie I was like basically they said Bollywood clothing and dance mm-hmm. everything else and big culturally ethnically ambiguous right they said throw the entire region into it and also you could tell that the producers directors writers had never read anything from Edward Said before <laughs> so like they were just like everything about orientalism <laughs> we're gonna throw it in there i did like the soundtrack oh yeah that's not that's all too good let's let's give credit where credit's due the bops were great but like (laughs) you could tell they had never heard of she was wearing very like 90s bollywood clothes and then the writing was like very like arabic-ish and i was like where are we very complex yeah but not like it was like it was like in the desert and there was there was a tiger and it's like tigers don't live in the desert and there was like a Taj Mahal mm-hmm. what are you Will Smith was there yeah so <laughs> they literally just threw up they just threw everything together they did like go let's sat, let's satiate you, you all are, of the brown people we'll give you all of it all at once just pick yeah. <laughs> we'll never get uh, another one well we asked for representation and that's what they give us so hopefully we'll that's what you'll just be disappointed if you look for representation from yeah. somewhere that's why i'm glad we're talking about this i think that like we hold a new type of representation of like the the like american experience of it or like the people who even are not american but are experiencing like you know not one side of the spectrum because it can be so like polarizing to be like you know one or the other but I feel like we all embody both um and we're figuring as we go so okay i think that's all we had to talk about um thank you for joining me and taking the time
Okay, well, I think the Zoom cut me off there, which is totally fine. But just another quick thank you to my lovely guest, Hiba and Harita. Um, do you guys see what I mean now? They're literally the coolest people ever, and I'm so glad they're my first official guest. Uh, so that will be kind of the vibe of the show. It'll be interviews, talks. Um, I might do some Q&As or, like, call-ins or whatever you want to do, but, you know, we're flexible. The possibilities are endless. Um, but, yeah, I'm so excited. That's, like, our first official launch. Uh the music will still be there. I know last week was a lot of like me talking and then a lot of music. Um, music will still be there. Uh, so this week, actually, after my outro, I'm going to have uh, a few songs that recommended by Hibba and Rita. We have a song in Telugu and we have some remixes on SoundCloud that Hibba showed me. So very cool. Um, but anyways, logistically speaking, I'll have episodes coming out every Monday. Um, we are officially we, me, the show, I guess. Yeah, the show um, is officially out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search the Venn diagram um, and it'll come up or my name, Alina Fias. Also, um, we have the Instagram, which is at Venn Diagram Radio. That'll have updates, episodes, um, guest profiles, features, quotes, all sorts of things. Um, so I'm playing around with that right now and I'm super excited about it. So that's all I have for you. Um, also, got some feedback from my family last week um, and they're like, Alina, sounds great just speak a little bit slower um thinking about it now i think i spoke the same speed so i mean i'll get better at it i'll probably talk slower in the future hopefully it's a skill i'll work on it i'll be fine um anyways that's all for this episode have a lovely week um i'm gonna play these songs I'm gonna mix them in pretty soon so stay tuned for that and i'll see you next time thank you
Tu hi to mera nazara 
ਸ਼ਾਰਾ 